Are? All right, Christmas is coming. How's that? Christmas is coming. Um, I got all this tissue up here. Um, I got a cold and I'm going to cry a lot today out of joy, like my sister said, out of joy. Um, but I love hearing these stories and I want you to believe. I want you to believe that Jesus can make a way. And that's what this series is all about that we're doing. We're calling it Conversations with Jesus. And uh, what I want to do is I just want to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and uh, I want to answer the hard questions about life. Um, where people like Minister Curtis, uh, where he was at one time, there are people in this room who are in that state, in that place, and they need answers so they can live that life. And so I want to look at the conversations that Jesus has with different people who are just like you and me in, in the Bible. And I want to I eavesdrop. <laughs> I want to eavesdrop on these conversations, and I want to I learn from Jesus on how we deal with things in life. That's what this series is all about. And of course, it's Thanksgiving week, and with such a head trip, you guys, it's, it's, it's almost uh, opposing to think that this is Thanksgiving week, let's thank God, let's be happy, especially with all the crazy stuff going on in the world. That can be, that can be a hard thing. Now, what, you, what you just heard this morning were testimonies of pain and praise, and that tells us a lot about this life. There's a lot of pain. But there's a way that we can praise and praise a whole lot more than the pain. And so Thanksgiving week, well, life, guys, life in general, it's just not easy for everyone. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this last year. You know what the holidays can do? Not always, not always. But they have a way of intensifying some, some of our struggles. They have a way of reminding us <laughs> how much money we don't have, how far family is away from us. Uh, the problems going on in family, uh, that we're getting older, yeah? You know, all of these things can come out a little bit more around the holidays, and so there's cheer and there's thanksgiving, but there's also pain. So problems that, I don't know, remain hidden uh, most of the year have a way of leaking out, seeping out during this time of year. And so my question to Jesus as a pastor is, how can, how can we as a church, if you're visiting, if you're from out of town, how can we stay in a state of peace, guys? I'm talking about something real. I'm not talking about a bumper sticker spirituality that's like, you know, just think positively, although I'm for that. I'm talking about a peace that surpasses anything we know in this world in all of its pain, a hope that surpasses, hey, look, guys, how about an energy, an energy? You know, I've talked to so many of this week who are just zapped from trials, like your energy is running so low. How do we find a way to tap into to God and why these problems are here to create an energy in us that we will not stop? Man, people are asking big questions all over. Questions about why is this happening to me? And I'm gonna say it every week, guys. People are not satisfied with the answers they're getting. It doesn't matter if it's from blogs. It doesn't matter if it's from the best universities in our country, which we have people who are in those universities in this room right now. Um, it doesn't matter if you read great books. People are growing unsatisfied with the answers about these big questions of life. One primarily is that of suffering. Why are we going through these things? Why is God allowing, allowing these things? And uh, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to be free this week. I want you to be free the rest of your life. I want you to live above the pain. 
It's a chapter in the book called Life. We get it. We're not, we're not erasing it, and Christianity is not in insulation for it. But how do we live through it? How do we allow our pain and suffering to shape us? How do we understand it so we hold our heads not just above water, but we leap out of the pool? I want us to be strong. I want, I want steel in the bones of God's people. And so that's the conversation with Jesus we're going to have today. Jesus, why, why, why are we going through these things? And why won't you stop them? That's a fair question no one wants to ask. If you're God and you're all-powerful and you love us and you care about us and you could stop anything with a thought, why are we suffering? Why are we going through things this holiday? Why is family divided? Why is my body broken down? Why, why can't I get the job? Why, why am I running into financial problems? The holidays are coming and I don't know how to pay rent. Whatever it is, I'm stressed out about school. I'm ready to throw in the towel, but my parents' pressure is killing me. You know, whatever your scenario is, Jesus, why won't you step in? It's, it's hard watching someone go through hell. But what I want to do this morning is I want to listen in on a conversation about a family that's really going through problems, guys. And Jesus is going to give them some powerful answers that's going to heal us. So what we're going to do today is we're going to meet two sisters. Their brothers died. Their brothers passed away. They don't know how to process it. Jesus is in the area. They're supposed to be celebrating Jesus and their hearts are broken and they need answers. Are you feeling that? John chapter 11, that's where we're gonna be. And we're gonna peek into this family and we're gonna learn what Jesus says to them as he has these these machine gun-like conversations with this family and explains to them how to make sense about why he's doing what he's doing in the midst of their suffering and the truth and the hope that's behind it. So if you're going through hard times, and, and by the way, if you're a human today, I, I need to get an amen here. If you're human today, you're going through problems. And if you're skating right now and everything's flowing really good, you're gonna go through problems. So we've gotta hear this conversation and figure out how to prep for it because if you don't know the answers and then you're nailed with a situation of suffering, man, it's almost too late. Like you can't figure it out on the fly. We gotta know it going in. We gotta be ready. So John chapter 11, let me set this up. This is the craziest, craziest scenario right here. Chapter 11, verse 1, uh, you can check it out in the Pew Bible. We'll throw these verses up behind me. Now, a certain man was ill. Now, he doesn't have a cold. This certain man, we'll meet him in a minute, he's dying. I don't know what he has, but he's dying. It's killing him, and it's killing him quickly. Because not long ago, he was fine. Um, He was alive and well. And we find out his name is Lazarus of Bethany. And Bethany is the village that his family lives in, Mary and her sister Martha. So you've got this this brother and his two sisters. You've got Lazarus, and you've got Mary, and you've got Martha. Verse 2, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So Jesus has done amazing things in this family, guys. Amazing miracles in this family. Verse 3, here's where the narrative gets tense. So the sisters sent to him. Naturally, they send to Jesus saying, 
Like they write it down on some parchment, they fold it up as they're sitting in the house with their dying brother and they tell one of the friends or family members or servants, get this to Jesus fast, we don't have much time. And that servant or whoever it is finds Jesus, he's about a day's journey away or less, they find Jesus, they say, this is from your friends, Mary, Martha, it's about Lazarus, he's dying, Jesus opens it up and he reads it and it says, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Like that almost should be enough. And it's almost like Mary and Martha, whoever wrote this letter, they didn't have to write anything extra. They know Jesus, they know how much he loves Lazarus, and the character of Jesus is to be there and to help people. That's all they have to write. It's like a text. Verse four strikes the heart. I don't like that first little word there, but when Jesus, (laughs) like I, I know what Jesus should do here. He should pack up supplies. He, could, he should chill, sh- uh, tell the 12 who are around him, guys, we got to stop the journey. We got to go in. Lazarus is dying. I'm the medical man. I'm, I'm the healer. I'm the miracle worker. I'm going to go deal with him. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Like everybody standing around is just like, what? Wait, wait a minute, let's, let's get moving, Jesus. He's dying, there's not much time left. This is like your family, you're so close to these people. What are you saying? You're saying that he's gonna die? Why won't you stop this? I mean, have you ever been there? Like, it's like we can't talk about these things as Christians. Like these are off-limit conversations to question like, God, where are you right now? Like read the Psalms, read the Psalms. Like, God understands. And so as a painful, really desperate situation is brought to Jesus, and everyone is expecting him to run, you know, to to heal Lazarus, who he loves. It says it over and over, who he loves. He just says, this death is going to work God's plan out. And you're just like, no. Like, no. I mean, that is not an emotionally satisfying answer, Jesus. I just got to tell you, like anything but that. Like, Jesus, I need a job. Like, I don't know how rent is coming. And he's like, you getting evicted is unto the glory of God. You know, (laughs) you're just like, don't go there right now. Just, I need the knock at the door, open it up. There's a letter on the floor on my porch. I open it up. There it is, $4,000, cheap rent. You know, I don't want that answer. And it doesn't make sense. Look at 11.5, it gets, it gets even more tense. Now Jesus loved Martha, there it is again. Jesus loved her sister and Jesus loved this man Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Like he's dying, you love him, you love this family. Over and over it says it. So you go, yeah, we're gonna stay here for two days. <laughs> what is he doing? And that's how it feels so often in this Christian walk. It's like, I need this right now, Lord. I need this healing or I need this job or I I need this to make sense. Like time is running out and it feels like Jesus is is hanging back for two days and it's just like, where is he? And you can almost hear the conversation. Like Jesus, if you love us, why did you let this happen? As a matter of fact, look at John 11 and verse 20. 
So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so after many, many days, Jesus doesn't show up, her brother dies. Her brother dies. And then Jesus is now moving towards the town. And someone finally comes as everyone's been looking for the miracle worker. And word gets back to Mary and Martha and, and it's like he's coming, he's coming. And Mary and Martha, the sisters are like, our brother's already dead. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. She runs out of the house. Remember, there's, there's you know, like, has anybody ever been to a wake? I don't, I've never been to a wake. But I'm thinking that like in the house. There's, there's the brother who's now passed away and the family's there. And it was kind of weird in that culture. Like it was custom to hire wailers or mourners, professional criers. And there's always a, a flute player that would come to the house and there would be people who didn't even know the family who would come over and cry. That's a little stressful. Like family's over, Lazarus is dead, you're hating life, you're wrestling with why didn't Jesus intervene. You got these paid like musicians who are in your house, they're like playing a flute and, and, and these people are over in the corner, they're wailing and they've got these special garments that are a little bit ripped and so they're tearing their clothes which is a sign of grief and like what a mess. <laughs> Welcome to our world. And so Martha's like sitting on the couch and she's just so, she's like empty inside. She's, she's dead inside and, and someone comes in and says, Martha, Jesus is on his way and she just takes off. She, she like runs off the couch, runs out the front door and she runs out into the countryside to meet him. But Mary remains seated in the house. Martha's always moving, Mary's always chilling. So there's Mary and she, she can't even get off the couch. She's just like, now watch what happens. Martha said to Jesus, so she finds Jesus. She, she, she comes to him and says, Lord, Lord, if you, had, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, why did you let him die? Look at verse 32. Jesus talks to Martha for a while and he makes his way closer to the city and Mary can't contain herself. She's just, she's mad She's broken, she's confused, and so she takes off out of the house. Verse 32, you see, you think your family's messed up or something? Like, it's just family, it's all good. Verse 32, now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, so she takes off off the couch, she starts running, she sees Jesus, she's always falling down at his feet, I love it. She falls down at his feet, saying to him, same exact words, Lord, 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 if you had been here, my brother would not have died, same thing. Which tells us, guys, that these sisters were talking day after day. Why didn't he come? Why didn't he come? Now check this out in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping. Like you're going to learn something about the heart of Jesus. When Jesus saw her weeping. And the Jews who had come with her also weeping. Oh, so out in this countryside, you got the sisters, they're, they're sitting there sobbing, wondering where Jesus is. Why weren't you here, Jesus? You've got family members who are gathered around. They're crying. You know how this works. You've got paid criers crying. You've got people running and crying with flutes. And when Jesus saw the whole thing, when he saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, Watch this, guys. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. That was an awful translation. Jesus was enraged. 
He sees everybody crying and everybody in pain and everybody broken and everybody confused and he is furious. You want to think of Jesus that way. Troubled, deeply troubled. That was, that was, used, uh, that was used when a horse would snort when it was, when it was about to buck. You know, Jesus is, he's, he's looking at this crowd and he's just, he's just furious. He's angry inside. They're crying and they're hurt and they're confused and he's, he's so mad. And you think to yourself, whoa, who's he mad at? He's not mad at those people. He's not mad at Mary and he's not mad at Martha and all the questions and their sadness. He's not mad... He's not mad at the family members who don't even know him as Savior who are gathered around crying. He's not mad at them. He's not mad at the cousins. He's not mad at the neighbors. He may be mad at the mourners who are paid. I don't know. Let me tell you who he's angry at. He is enraged at sin. He is furious at death. I mean, he he is ready to wage war and absolutely roar as the lion and attack and destroy what's caused the pain in the people he loves. And he's gonna do it on the cross. He's ready for war. I was thinking about how Jesus views our suffering this week. I I got this crazy like cold or something yesterday, which is nothing compared to what some of you are going through. But I was laying in bed and I just don't do that. But I was like, ugh. And I was was sitting there visualizing Jesus as I was like, man, I hate this. Like I hate, hate getting sick. And I was just visualizing Jesus so loving towards me, like looking at me as the lamb of God, this gentle shepherd, but then this part of him that's just this lion and he's just furious at the sickness in my body. And he is, man, he is gonna strike it and he is gonna attack it and he is gonna destroy it forever. We, Jeffrey leads us in that song and, and it says, furious love laid waste to my sin. This is furious love. So if you're suffering today, I need you to know how Jesus is looking at you. He is looking at your pain and he's looking at your sorrow and he has these eyes. We'll read it in a minute. He's weeping. He's got these eyes that are looking at you and he says, I understand that you don't understand. Hold on. Just hold on. And then it's like he shifts over to the side and and I want you to visualize him just with a, a fist that's just so clenched and he's just like, Oh, I'm in a rage towards the things that are hurting my family. And I am going to end them forever. And it's like, but Jesus, if you love us and you're weeping for us, but you're so furious at the sin and the sickness and the brokenness in this world, why don't you stop it for us? Look at 34. He's the lion right here. And he is, he, is on the, he is on the verge of roaring. And he's looking at these poor people crying with love and anger towards the sin that's hurt them and the death that's hurt them. And he says, where, where have you laid them? And they said, Lord, come and see. 
And he just begins to weep. Like, do you see him that way? Man, he cares. And so verse 36, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. Like they're whispering to each other, like, look at this passion in him. He looks like he's, he's about to destroy something, but he's, he looks like he's about to heal something and love something, and he's weeping for the ones he loved. But some of them said this, once again, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? If he hurts this bad and he cares this much and he's so angry that it happened, doesn't he have the power to stop it? Why doesn't Jesus Christ just stop the pain if he's roaring against it? If it hurts him as much as it hurts us, maybe even more, why doesn't he step in? In John eleven four, we get the answer. And I want you to hold on to this this week. When he was asked by Martha, when she ran out to him, why didn't you save my brother's life? In verse four, Jesus heard it and he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Let me explain what Jesus is saying. He goes, guys, I know it hurts. I know it hurts so much sometimes you can hardly bear it. So I want you to understand that I love you and I want you to understand why I allow it so you can have steel in your bones and you can keep going. What he's saying in verse four is this. I'm trying to awaken the world to their greatest treasure, which is me and salvation. But sometimes it takes pain. Sometimes it takes pain. Sometimes it takes a shaking of the earth, an earthquake, or an illness in a family, or the loss of a job, for his people to show those who don't know him that our greatest treasure is Christ. And although we lose things, and although, although we lose things in our own life, or our own health, even though those things are taken away, now in pain and clenched teeth and tears and wet cheeks, we can show by not giving up and going forward and praising him that he is our greatest treasure and he's worth it all. See guys, most of our suffering is not always for us, although it does grow us. Most of the suffering is for people who don't know this amazing Savior to wake up to the Savior. So I, I try to stop asking why, and I start asking what? What do you want me to do with this, Scott? Who's watching? Who needs to see? Who needs to see me get through this by your grace? Who needs to see me speak about you. We have a young girl in Francis Chan's church who is working with us to partner to do this awesome ministry in January uh, with our churches together. And uh, she was on her way uh, to come here to plan this thing. We were gonna pray together, Jess and I, with this team. And, and uh, on her way, she had a head-on collision. Head-on collision. Why, God? I'm going to build a missions ministry with Bethel. And Francis Church, why would you allow this? The car flips over two or three times and lands on, on its top. Why'd you do that, God? This girl climbs out of the car upside down, slides out the window. And if you know this girl, she, she's wild. Like, she is wild. She slips out the window, and the guy who hit her took off. Another car stops 
And the guy jumps out and says, sit down, lay down, are you okay? You know, thinking, you're supposed to be dead. <laughs> Why are you walking towards me? And he's like, are you okay? And she begins to tell him about Jesus. <laughs> like, who does that, guys? Who does that? And, and this guy's like sitting there stunned like, why are you ministering to me right now? <laughs> You're not supposed to be alive. It takes sometimes, guys, not all the times. So, so often it's blessing and joy. But sometimes, guys, it takes suffering for Jesus to awaken some person who needs him so bad, and we become these vessels that he works through. Jesus did not come to this world with a sword in his hand to awaken us to him and be saved. He came with nails in his hands to bring people to himself. Let me show you me suffering because I care about you. That's what awakened all of us to Jesus. And at times, he chooses to do this through some of us. There's purpose in your pain, it's for the world. It's, it's for the minister Curtis's and, and the pastor John Maroos's who at one time didn't know Jesus but maybe saw someone go through something and saw that they still maintain their joy and their testimony that made us go, what's up with these people? I need something they have. It's for, it's for those who don't know Jesus so often but for the believer. You say, but what does that leave me? Like I'm just suffering for their good so they'll know Jesus? Like what does that do? But for the believer... It's pain with a promise. Look at John 11, verse 23. That almost feels unfair. Like, Jesus, do this a different way. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you at times will put me through hard times so someone who doesn't know you will look in and say, why do you still have joy? Why, why do you keep going on? Why do you, you know, why do you keep singing to this Jesus? But like, what about me, Jesus? Like, I'm still, I'm still, we still can't have a child or we still lost a child or I'm still overwhelmed with school or whatever it is. Like, what about me? And Jesus just goes like this. I understand, I understand, I understand. I just need you to hold on to one truth that it will be over soon and this entire creation will be resurrected into newness of life. Wait and look for that day. John 11, verse 23. When Martha's like, why didn't you stop it? He said, because God wants to glorify himself through it. God wants to show that these people can have new life through your suffering. And she's like, but that still doesn't help me. My brother's still dead. And Jesus says this in 23. He's like, Martha, Mary, hold on. Just hang on. Your brother will rise again this world will be resurrected again. You will have forever here and never, ever face a second of pain again, a second of depression again, a second of... <laughs> Hold on to the resurrection. Hold on to the resurrection. It's like Jesus is literally saying, listen to me, I know it hurts at times, but it will not last I'm gonna raise this whole thing up and you're gonna, you're gonna rule and reign and party forever. And so if this is the plan, okay, Jesus, sometimes I'm gonna go through hard times so other people can be awakened to you, that still hurts. But if this is the plan, and the promise I'm supposed to hold on to 
is, but I'm gonna have an eternity here and I will never be touched. Your rage will be unleashed on death and pain and you'll crush it forever. Then I can get, I can get through this, I can endure this and I can thank him for the promise of the future. Romans 8, 18. Now we can say with Paul, like this light and momentary affliction, like this pain, yeah, it's, it's tough sometimes, man. But it is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in the sons of God and the daughters of God one day. When we, when we, when we dance through this earth forever and ever, yeah, 50, 60, 70, 80 years here, if God has to use us this way at times, He's also given us the gift of eternity here on this earth. Hold on to that hope. Um, Sometimes Jess and I have this weird thing. I'm gonna close this up. I wanna sing. Sometimes we have this weird thing that happens to us and and, um, it has to do with our dreams. Sometimes we dream, one of us will dream that the other like disappears. Like we can't find, like she can't find me in the dream. You guys ever have weird things like that happening? And uh, and she'll wake up and, and just be like, ah, and sometimes I'll have a dream like that. Like, where's my wife at? And um, it's just weird. I don't know. I think it's pretty normal. I, don't read into that. <laughs> um, someone's going to give me an email and be like, eh. <laughs> like, it's all good. Our marriage is strong. Don't get me wrong. But um, what's so weird is like we wake up like terrified about this bad dream. But when we wake up from the bad dream, when we look at each other, we don't even have to tell each other what we dreamed about. There's this intense, intense love in our eyes. And we just like hold each other. We get close to each other. And you know, that first hour after that bad dream, it's like this amazing love and amazing peace that the dream was just that, it was just a dream and we have each other, and we're safe together, and we'll never have to go through that. Waking up from that bad dream is the sweetest, sweetest feeling. This is what Jesus is saying to you this Thanksgiving. Thank him, be bold enough to thank him, because every one of us who are in Christ, we, we too will wake up from all of this one day, and all the sad things will come untrue. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. I want you to work this out in prayer. I want you to worship him. I want you to thank him. Even if it's hard right now, you guys, I want you to thank him that there's a finish line and it's gonna be wild. It's gonna be a celebration with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, as the band slipping up, I, I want you just to listen to this. There's a Christian rap group that a lot of us listen to here, and there's this lyric that I keep saying over and over, and I just want to read it with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. It can be hard this Thanksgiving, but don't, don't let go of the hope of the resurrection. He's gonna make all the sad things untrue. How sweet the gospel sounds to ears like mine, well acquainted with pain and strange relationships. 
friendships that suffer from long distances. Or even worse, they get severed from something more severe. And he still hasn't wiped away all my tears yet. My cheeks get wet every now and then. I'm not there yet, so I'm reaching, reaching for a goal, to stand before my king and be speechless. Then, never again will I question if his grace is sufficient to cover my sin. Because death is gone, and all the effects of evil and wrong will be conquered when his kingdom comes. So this is my hope and my prayer. The air that I'll breathe in eternity with lungs that never fail me. So if it pleases my Lord, and only by your grace, use my life till it's poured out for your sake. Until then, I'll remain where you have me, with joy when I feel unhappy, and a peace that surpasses all my understanding. My life is in the hands of your love everlasting. Go there with them this morning, guys. Just go there. I want you to dream it. I want you to see yourself running around San Francisco on a new earth. I want you to see yourself climbing down those rocks to the beach on an earth that's been made new, yet is so familiar. And I want you to see yourself moving as quick as lightning. Oh, Cynthia, you think you've been healed now. I want you to see yourself running like a little girl with total freedom. No pain, no stress. Worried college students. No anxiety ever again. Age saint. Not a thought of the body breaking down, not a thought of death, but only a vast playground called Earth. And we look over that, that amazing city made new without sin. We see our friends, kids and grandkids, look around and, and feel something. We feel the presence of God because on that new earth, God will be with us as the water covers the sea. We'll feel him in every breath we take. We'll feel him in every tree we touch, in every song we sing, in every kiss we give, in every invention we invent, in every dance we dance. We will feel God. Now come back to this world right now. Whatever you're facing, if it is so others know this gospel, be bold with me to go through it. Jesus is looking at you with tears of love. He's going to get you through it. Worship this morning with hope. Pray to him. i